0: To learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington. I'm the host of the transformative principal and author of the book School X, how to redesign your school for the people right in front of you. I'm a former principal at all levels of K 12 education.
1: Greetings, everyone. I'm Rick Wayne, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in Portland, New York, and the author of 10 books, including most recently Cyber Traps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyber Ethical Kids, Cyber Traps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to parents, teachers, and others about the risks arising from the use.
0: And misuse digital devices over the coming weeks and months we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education parenting sociology and cyber safety join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world the cyber traps podcast is a production of the center for cyber ethics an independent nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyber ethics as a positive social force through research curricular development publishing And media, professional training, and public advocacy.
1: As a production of the Cyber Traps podcast and the Center for Cyber Ethics, we are pleased to have Voyancy Digital as our inaugural machine partner. A digital advertising consultancy with an ethos, Voyancy was founded by Scott Rubinowitz, who has been in digital media since 1997 and has overseen over $300 million in new safety compliant ad buys across all digital. For IAB, Google, being Accredited Brand and Audience Advertising Sales Solutions, Media Buying, and Organizational Training for Media Publishers, reach out to Scott at ScottRMedia on LinkedIn or visit Digital buoyancydigital at BuoyancyDigital.com. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in reaching a great audience of parents and educators across the country, contact us for sponsorship opportunities. And greetings, Jethro. Hello, Fred. Good to see you again. Yes, good to see you. I feel like we're finally through the dog days of summer. We'll start yep. to get a little bit of a regular flow, uh, admittedly, after Labor Day. That's so, right. So it's good <laughs> to kind of <laughs> touch base and keep the flow going. So good to see you.
0: Yes, you too. It's uh, it's always nice to do this, uh, this podcast, and I love being able to... Um, focus and and get some ex- exciting stuff done as we talk so today we're going to be talking about whatsapp and last week we did a or the week before we did a our first deep dive and um this one i think is going to be uh, pretty interesting also uh whatsapp is an app that billions of people are using it's just amazing and really um my first exposure to it uh or rather every exposure is usually through people who are um who live outside of the United States it is super popular outside of the United States also everyone well, now is not in the yeah. United States uses it and uh, from anybody that I talk to
1: no i think that's absolutely right and, and when we were over in york I don't know last year it's sort of beginning to be the year before it us the last but yeah. last year you know, and and we wound up in lockdown over there, WhatsApp was a terrific resource, you know, for doing free messaging, free phone calls, free video, all the rest of it, because the technology is built around the idea that you're going to communicate using internet data packets. So there's no use of the cellular network in order to uh, have your communications. And this is basically another variation on the voiceover IP technology. That's so popular in so many different ways. I think the, the power of the ideas is really illustrated, as you were saying, by the fact that these guys invented this thing, wrote this thing back in 2009. And in just 12 years, they've gotten to the point where they have over 2 billion users. That's a quarter of the world's
0: population. Yeah. Just staggering. It's mind boggling. And what is so amazing is, um, my so my dad used to live in brazil and he moved there in 2006 Mm -hmm. and when he moved there we pretty much stopped communicating except through email because it was just too difficult um and it it cost too much to call him on the regular phone and then he finally got skype and so we could start doing video calls and then he got an ipad and then we could do facetime calls and so i was using. Instead of calling on my cell phone because I I haven't had a landline since I've been an adult, um, <laughs> there's a technological statement. Right <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want to explain when a landline is? <laughs> yes, it's the phone that is attached to your wall in your house. So, um, so he uh, he moved back um, to the states eventually uh, before he passed away. But you know we we pretty much couldn't talk to him. I would use Skype to. Um, to make phone calls to him because he didn't um, have the technology down there uh, for a while, but it, it the very real need of being able to communicate a, around the world instantaneously has existed for a long time, and it's been very expensive to do that um, for for much of our lives. And now it is not just inexpensive, but it is ridiculously cheap which is free and it doesn't cost anything
1: well and this is of course a great opportunity for me to interject one of my favorite internet quotes of all time which is Stuart brand's observation back in 1984 Stuart brand uh again for those of you who are not steeped in this was the guy who did the whole earth catalog in the late 60s uh did a ton of work on various technological issues but he was the one who said specifically that information wants to be free and he was really talking about the cost of distribution, which is exactly what we're seeing, right? That if you can turn data into little packets and put it on the internet, then the cost of getting one packet from point A to point B is basically zero. And that's where the business model
0: or WhatsApp come, or at least that's where it starts. Yeah. Well, and it's something that everybody has wanted uh, for a long time. and. It's amazing that it exists. I mean, just that in and of itself is is pretty awesome. And didn't Stuart Brand start the Long Now Foundation also?
1: That I have to look up. I don't recall. You might be right about that, but we're, we're sitting in front of computers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that that's just a separate uh, thing. But yeah. they made a ten thousand year clock also, or they yeah, right, up, right. ten thousand year clock. So, This anyway. project. Yeah, very interesting. We could we could talk about that more later. So uh let's talk Yeah. So you mentioned that it was built in two thousand nine by two former Yahoo employees, Brian Acton and Jan Comb Cowm. Comb? BGF. Um and we've got tons of people using it and I was gonna say he's rich enough he doesn't care how <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs>
1: But, yeah, look, I mean, the 2009 thing is interesting, you know, in the sense that it was, you know, right around when social media was getting started, Yahoo, of course, was still a fairly, you know, powerful player in all of this. And one of these guys got an iPhone and was a little bit frustrated, the messaging capability of the iPhone at that point, and thought he could write something better, which is you know, basically what they did. I think like so many other entrepreneurs, they were looking for the cash up, and they eventually got.
0: Yeah. Yeah. $14 billion when Facebook yeah. bought them, right? In five years. Wow. Yeah. One day I was, I was
1: researching for the show and um, going through some of the information online and one of the early investors, a group under the name of Sequoia Provided a bunch of seed money for developing what's happened to a global thing, and they basically got a five thousand percent return on their multi-million dollar investment wow. in this one piece of software. I mean, it's, wow. it, and and you know, of course, Jethro, this is the thing that that inspires teens around the world. Like they're going to create the next hot thing and get bought out by a Microsoft and Apple or Facebook, what have you. So this is, um, you know, this is the dream origin story for a lot
0: of people. Yeah. Well, uh, I misspoke. It's 19 billion. Excuse me. Let me get that right. I think (laughs) i
1: a billion here, billion there. Yeah.
0: So what, what is amazing about these, these, uh, these apps that, that people can use is that they are multi-platform and so people can use them on just about anything um Mm -hmm. you can do these huge group chats i'm in one group chat that has like i don't know 75 people in it or something and it's incredible how how big it is and that you can have these these things you can um do broadcasts like where you send it out to all your followers for example um and you can also do video calls you can do text messages you can do audio messages um and you can share just about anything that you want to, which makes it so that when you have, you know, family in another place, it makes it really easy to stay in touch and isn't difficult at all. And, um, and that's really powerful. And there are so many different apps like this. Telegram is another one, um, that does uh, signal, uh, different things. And what's cool is you can, uh, set up different features about them that make them, Useful and WhatsApp is, um, it correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the most open, anybody can join, anybody can um, see what's going on. Hackers can hack in really easily. No, I'm just kidding about that, but we'll talk about that a little bit. (laughs) Not that far off. but the (laughs) fact
1: we have issues,
0: (laughs) yeah. So, let's talk first about some of the things that parents should be concerned about. So, um, one of those is there's no verification of the age um thing, which, you know, we've talked about this multiple times. There's no way to do anything about that. Essentially.
1: It's it's the old uh, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. Nobody mm-hmm. knows how old a dog you are either. Uh, yeah, it's it's the universal problem, right? That if they've got a um if they've got an age verification screen at the front of the app, your average 12 year old knows how to manipulate that in order to put in a date that will be accepted by the system. And actually just as a shout out, um, we're going to do a recorded episode on labor day next Monday, but on the 13th of September, we will have a deep dive into the channeled online privacy protection, which specifically addresses that point, but you know, yeah, that's a real issue that um, if you're not keeping an eye on what apps literally, what apps are on your child's phone, um, and. Your 10 year old hears about this and gets curious. It's not that difficult for the 10 year old to get into the WhatsApp system.
0: Yeah. And it really is possible to, um, to be fairly anonymous on there. You do, if I'm not mistaken, you do have to register your phone number. So if you have a phone number, then you have to, um, use that to sign up. So that's one way to kind of, uh, keep it safer, but then people could also sign up with emails and things like that. So it's not, um, it's not a hundred percent foolproof. It's not, uh, it's not a, a way to make it so that nobody can know, uh, so to make it so that everybody knows who you are. Excuse me, is what I was trying to say. So okay. you're going to have some, you can have some level of anonymity on there.
1: It yeah, you should yeah. Yeah. And anonymity is, is very much a mixed bag, is, as you and I have discussed, right? I mean, there are absolutely circumstances uh, where anonymity is valuable. Remember, of course, we had Mark on the Washington, D.C. national security attorney, talking about the role of anonymity plays with uh, whistleblowers and how important mm-hmm. that can be in terms of uh, discovering misconduct by public officials and so forth. Um, that's great but it's a much different situation if someone is using anonymity as the first step to grooming or targeting kids.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a problem. Another problem is that, like we mentioned before, um, from a parent perspective is that kids can move from device to device. So you can take it off your kid's phone, but then they can still access it on a laptop, even a school laptop possibly <laughs> and um, and so that makes it more challenging, also, to keep track of.
1: Yeah, that that I think is something parents always need to keep in mind is that you know kids are very gifted at finding different ways to access these services. WhatsApp is interesting because it's well, I guess Instagram does and TikTok, but WhatsApp really does try to bring the messaging component to the desktop. I was playing around with it a little bit this morning and it was really amazed how fast my desktop app, which I just installed today, got populated with the messages. I mean, I haven't used WhatsApp actually in over a year and all of those messages came flooding back because um, of course they're keeping those um, stored on their servers, basically, definitely.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've talked multiple times also about once you post something on the internet, then it's there. And, um, yeah. And there are some, uh, we'll get into some of the stories here about, about some of those things that, um, you know, you, this can be a vector for bullying. It can be a vector for grooming children. Um, and it also, uh, gives your location and easy access to Inappropriate content that you may not be, um, it, 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 you, you, you can join these groups and then it doesn't take long to get to something inappropriate. And
1: yeah, and it's, it's, it's really scary, honestly, cause that's, that's exactly what I was playing around this morning. And, and we should let people know that if you take a look at WhatsApp, I mean, the functionality of WhatsApp is really designed primarily around quote-unquote private groups. So for instance, if we wanted to set up a center for cyber ethics group, which actually is not a bad idea, we could do that for the various board members that we have. And nobody outside of board members would be able to join because they wouldn't know the group ID and Mm -hmm. we would have to specifically invite people to do that, but. What I discovered today in really researching this is that there are groups which would better be described as quasi private in the sense that a link to an invitation request is published online. And these can be found through search engines. They can be found on Tumblr. They can be found on Reddit. There's even some links in all Instagram and basically. The people who set up those public groups don't turn anyone down. And so, you know, they'll just continue to let people in. And so you have no idea with whom you're interacting. You
0: could be mm-hmm.
1: messaging someone anywhere in the world, and of course, vice versa, because now you're part of that group chat. And the other thing that's relevant about that is that if kids go looking for these public, quote unquote, public group links. Um, a significant percentage of them right out of the gate are ones that deal with adult content mm-hmm. of various kinds. And so you can get into relatively dark alleys on WhatsApp
0: very quick. Well, and this is the issue with any kind of app that includes messaging with other people um, as it relates to to kids, is that once you open that door, then it is very hard for a parent to monitor what a child is doing. And you have to actually go in and look at the messages and hope that your kids haven't deleted them before you've had a chance to see what they've been sending. And this, I think, is one of the most challenging aspects of kids having devices um, is these kinds of things where if, if a kid is playing a specific game on the device or using a specific app, you can pretty well be assured that, they, that you have an idea of what they're doing. When it comes to apps that involve messaging, you, you have no idea because there is a level of obf- obfuscation there where you can't see what they're doing. They could be spending hours on any app that involves messaging, and you have no idea what it is that they're sending back and forth with other people.
1: And of course, this touches on so many issues that we're concerned about on the Cybertrops podcast, biggest of which is kid access to devices after the go. Mm-hmm. because, you know, with a global community, WhatsApp adds activity 24 seven. So there's always someone for your child to talk to, regardless of what time's on your end. And I think that, that that's just one piece of this overall concern we have about the need for a family charging station as long as possible, mm-hmm. because what you're really trying to do, I think, is to give yourself as much opportunity to talk to kids before they start using these devices more frequently. And, you know, if you can get through middle school, ideally with mm-hmm. kids not having devices in their bedroom all night, and you can instead use that time to talk to them about what the potential issues are. I, I just think you're going to be in a much stronger position overall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely good plug for that charging, uh, family charging station. Uh, and I'm for the whole family.
1: Yeah. You know, leave in the pair to start building
0: Jethro work. I know no kidding. I am oh, sure there's like 6,000 on debts. so, yeah, I'm sure there is. Uh, So a couple of different um, other concerns that we should talk about before we get into some of the stories are the sharing of data between WhatsApp and Facebook, and um, that could be a concern. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, let's let's be clear. Facebook did not drop $19 billion on WhatsApp because they liked the icon. (laughs) Right. You know, they dropped $19 billion on WhatsApp Because even back then, they saw where this was going. I think back then, if I recall correctly, it was in the six to 800 million users. You know, back in 2014, maybe half a billion, you know, who's counting. But the point was that they really saw where this was going. And that represents a phenomenal pool of data. And interestingly, there was a huge controversy back in the 2014 era. Because Facebook made all of these promises about how there'd be an absolute data wall between Facebook and WhatsApp and never the twain shall meet and all the rest of that. And it took, I think, 18 months or two years or something ridiculous and short like that for Facebook to say, well, we're yeah. going to start sharing some of the data. And um, now, of course, you know it's just part of the Facebook data ecosystem in which we all live. And that raises real issues for your kids in terms of the size of their digital book. And all of this stuff is being chewed through and location is being linked to it. And that's the monetization. How do we figure out, you know, as you're talking about what ads do these kids get fed? You know, what kind of products are they likely to buy? Yada yada.
0: Yeah. And and even if um Facebook is not reading the messages with AI or whatever, which I have a hard time believing they're not. Um, and even if they're not using that for nefarious purposes that we would think are really bad, but just using it for advertising and getting an idea of what you're mm-hmm. what you're interested in, what kind of dr- groups you're part of, I mean that is a whole mess of information as well. And I think that that's something that people should really be aware of as they're thinking about whether or not to use this or allow their kids to use it. And it's I think that's right.
1: And you know, again, if the kids are a little bit older and you've had an opportunity to talk through some of the implications of all of this, then I think supervised usage of it can be fine. Because mm. it's a great way for kids to stay in touch with each other. They're going to they're absolutely going to message and communicate with other kids. That's just who they are. Yeah. Um but I think again it, there's a role for parents in terms of uh supervising. Supervision is not surveillance, but surveillance is what the government does. Supervision is what parents do. And they're two different things. That being said, I think that, you know, you're absolutely right, Jethro. Well, one of the real challenges of this being, I don't know, maybe obfuscation is 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 a little strong, but you know, certainly the the tendency of kids to try to develop a zone of privacy for themselves, right? Because they're, they're exploring the relationships. They, they want to figure out their identity without parents necessarily hovering. So there's a natural tension there. Like so many other apps, WhatsApp has now developed these, what do they call it? They call it status feature, Mm -hmm. which is basically the equivalent of, uh, you know, Snapchat's uh, stories. Everybody's using the same yeah. general idea. So basically, you know, WhatsApp has the ability for kids to put things out in the world and theoretically have it go away in 24 hours or whatever. And it's not as bad a thing as Snapchat. As everybody listens to us, knows I'm Snapchat. <laughs> Printing fashion. But I do think that all of disappearing messaging apps carry with them the risk of encouraging content or encouraging behavior that people might not otherwise put out on web because they think it'll go away and it doesn't go away as quickly as they think. And it can be captured much more easily. Yeah.
0: And, and that's where there's just so much that we don't know that goes on. And right. it's n- nearly impossible to keep up with, to be honest, from a parent perspective. Right. So, right. um, that's and right that, here. that <laughs> exactly. So that's really, really the challenge for sure. So I want to talk about some of the uh, stories, um, uh, uh, about WhatsApp, and the one that, um, that I sent to you a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah. really from, yeah, uh, from uh Preston Burn, uh, who posted on August twenty fifth. August 15th, uh, did America just lose Afghanistan because of WhatsApp? And this was a fascinating story that was incredibly timely. And uh, the link is in the show notes, and I encourage you to go read it. But what was totally fascinating to me is that these groups that exist on WhatsApp, basically in Afghanistan, the Taliban posted to those groups, to people living in those areas, and said, because they know everybody's using WhatsApp, whatsapp anyway they said the taliban is here and you don't need to uh worry about your security we've got you if you need help message these numbers on whatsapp and talk about like a grassroots kind of thing where they just said here we are we're here and with very little actual fighting until the last couple days um they were able to you know basically take over the whole country. Um, against uh, one of the world's superpowers, which is just amazing to me.
1: Well, yeah, and of course, it's, it's fair to point out that one of the world's superpowers, he's not really holding all that much of Afghanistan at that point. So uh, it wasn't exactly push them all out. But that being said, it, it really is the modern corollary of what we saw with the Arab Spring and Twitter. Remember, Twitter got its huge boost overseas. When it was used as an organizing tool in Egypt and Tunisia and some of these other countries. And I think that this is, you know, again, one of the great unexplored topics of our time is the way in which these communication apps are changing our growth in unpredictable ways. You know, and, and I think that it sounds hard to correlate, you know, what's happening, for instance, in Afghanistan, with what's happening in your kid's bedroom. But this is precisely the point don't know what the impact of these absolutely unless you talk to your kids and see what they're doing
0: and and that really is the issue here is that there are so many things going on that you can't possibly know about um without that communication and conversation and you know i am sure that there were kids in afghanistan who got the message before their parents and knew what was going on before. <laughs> yeah, the <parents>. That's true. <laughs> right. I mean, it just has to add. That's a Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so well, look, you know, this, this is, this is a really good point. And, you know, the younger generation is going to have organizing tools and capabilities that you and I, especially me, can only imagine in terms of well, the speed and the reach of what they do and what they say, that being said, one of the other things that parents absolutely need to keep in mind is that, you know, particularly a global app a hugely popular global app, like WhatsApp has a profound potential for hoaxes and misinformation and so forth. That's been one of the, I think, driving factors of some of the anti Oh, COVID, anti-vaccine or information, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's not just that your parents, not just that your kids are maybe engaging in groups that would make you uncomfortable or they're talking to people you don't know, but you also need to be aware of what kind of information are they absorbing from these unregulated sources of information. And I'm, you know, I use unregulated more in the sense of just a fire. Not that we want the government regulating, yeah. but just that you have no idea how much is coming into your kids' venture.
0: Right. And and that really is the key. That there um there are kids all over the world who could be part of these groups in Afghanistan. They and they could have seen what was going on. They could have a lot of those groups that you mentioned are not totally private. And so in order for everybody in the community to have it, it needs to be that quasi-private that you talked about. And so kids can certainly be involved in things that they are certainly not mature enough for or ready for um, all throughout the world. And that that's the part where, you know, it it doesn't take much to get to that point. And that's that's one of the concerning things about it well, also.
1: Well, I absolutely, agree, Jethro. And I think you allude to something that, that we should plan to talk about some, which is, um, the phenomenon of child radicalization, you know, which is is something that occurs global in terms of kids being drawn into things like ISIS. Uh, you know, there was a case in Colorado where three girls tried to travel to the middle east to join ISIS because they had been reading these groups and you know, uh, WhatsApp is one vector, but also Reddit, um, And to give a shout out to them, I'm sure they'll love that, but you know, there's, there are definitely a variety of different places online where kids are getting exposed to information. That's very concerning,
0: obviously. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is that whatever you are exposed to, you start to pay more attention to and believe in more and what you, the media you ingest Affects other parts of your lives. The music you listen to, the books you read, all that kind of stuff, they have an impact. And the message boards and the groups that you follow online, they all have an impact in how you act and behave and believe, because that's what you're putting into your body and into your mind. And so you need to pay attention to that. And, you know, just as there are negative things about whatsapp and the groups that exist there there are also positive groups that could really help a lot of kids in a lot of different ways um but again you've got to be talking to your kids about that pay attention to what they're ingesting and and make sure that it's that you're aware and participating in it um well yes, yeah, so
1: absolutely i mean i think in terms of positive stuff jethro wouldn't let one of the examples, I've, I've done it just in text messaging, not in WhatsApp, but the concept is very much the same, of looping my two boys in with my younger sister, who's really kind of the tech savvy of the you know four of us. She's only 15 years older than my oldest kid. So uh-huh. it's the same gap between her and Ben is between her. And so it's a perfect bridge. And so we have this text group. You yeah, know, you could do the same thing on WhatsApp, which just allows for general chit-chat, you know, mm-hmm. and a way to kind of get another generation involved. And I think that that's actually something parents could really explore with their kids. Like who in the family, let's put together a chat and just have, like you were saying, you know, if you've got 50 or 60 or 70 people, maybe that's a little unwieldy. We've got to. <laughs> I'm afraid. Oh, but I, I think that you're absolutely right to stress that communication is not ipso facto bad. It's how it's used and what's being communicated. And, you know, we should all be grateful that we can make free phone calls overseas or, you know, text overseas or what have you. It's a tremendous resource, but we simply need to make sure that people are paying attention to potential downsides as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so a few other things, um, that. Uh, one thing that's interesting. We talked a couple of weeks ago about the Apple see Sam scanning your photos yeah. thing, um, yeah. that, uh, the WhatsApp CEO came out and said that they would never do that on WhatsApp essentially. And that they wouldn't be scanning photos, which is a way of saying, if you want to participate in that, there's a haven, <laughs> right?
1: Right. Which is why we also have in the show notes an article from a couple of years ago. Where basically law enforcement is saying WhatsApp has an encrypted child pornography problem, because one of the things that, you know, well, we could talk at length about WhatsApp security issues that have arisen over the years, because they have a very spotty record in terms of dealing with these different issues. But one of the things that they tried to do, um, right around the time that they were actually, I guess a little bit after, uh, they were purchased by Facebook. They want it to develop end-to-end encryption. So the idea basically being that whatever you're sending from WhatsApp on your phone gets encrypted on the phone, transmitted across the internet and gets decrypted at the other end. The point of that is that if anyone were trying to intercept what you're sending, they just get gibberish. And of course the, you know, upshot of that is that, you know, not only does that prevent bad guys from getting like your phone number or whatever, but it also prevents the government from seeing what you transmit. And many, many people may see that as a positive good, but if you're fighting child pornography, it at least raises some issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's challenging because we want people to be free, but we don't want people to be free to do things that harm kids, and and that's. That's the challenge that we're always going to come up against. So Apple making a, a move in that direction, and then WhatsApp doubling down on, um, if you're looking just at the protecting kids angle, a doubling down on not protecting kids is very concerning, not to mention all the grooming that can happen, all the mm-hmm. secret yeah. messages that can be sent back and forth and that kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, when you install, when you install the app on your computer, People can then send malware and viruses yeah. to your computer very easily. And it doesn't take much for you to click on a link that could be to something you're interested in. And, and then, you know, you download something in the background that happens all the time. So
1: it's, it's such a mess. And and we alluded
0: to this beginning of the
1: show, Jeff, that as a platform, you know, WhatsApp is relatively open compared to some of these other services that are out there and if your kid is poking around online, there are a number of different hacks or, or add-ons that they can install with WhatsApp. And some of those are, in fact, specifically intended to be now you know, mm-hmm. to spy on what activity is taking place on the phone, maybe get a clearer picture of location, credit card information, whatever else. I mean, there's some really amazing stories of people losing information. My favorite was, was it in India? The WhatsApp was being used as the central communication hub for some medical facility, and the phone got lost. And all of the information that was stored in WhatsApp on that phone was now accessible to whoever found it. Wow. And of course, we've had that with the Defense Department in, in the US, like losing um, Veterans Administration databases and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't mean to pick on the Indians, but yeah. I mean, this stuff's crazy risky.
0: Yeah. So in the show notes, we have links to a bunch of these articles, um, which are uh, really sad and tragic as well. Um, but we also have a bunch of resources um, to to help out. Which of these resources, we have, I think, seven or eight um, links in there. Which of these resources do you think we should highlight to uh, make sure people go and check out?
1: That's a great question, Jethro. um, There are three that I would flag right off the top. Um, As you'll see in there, uh, we have the link to Common Sense Media, which Mm -hmm. is always my starting place when we're doing these shows yeah, because they do such a fantastic job of organizing information, providing ratings, so on and so forth. The other two things that I was really impressed with when I was reading through this is the one from McAfee, from March of 2020, is WhatsApp safe for kids? Here's what parents need to know. I like McAfee because they're not a hard upsell in terms of their services. Uh, Again, when I was researching this, um, I found a lot of interesting articles, but about a third of them were from monitoring or or they actually call it surveillance software, supervision software, but they... Really, really push, like, put this on your kid's phone. And frankly, as you and I have talked about, the much better approach is to communicate with kids and develop a dialogue as opposed to necessarily doing that. Um, and then the third one that I would flag for people is the one that came out May of 2021. Uh, 15 phone apps. Parents should be aware of or any of these on your child's phone. Uh, that is from the start rule, just a little bit of a tabloid, but I like the fact that they list 15 of the most popular messaging apps that parents should at least be aware of. And as we've recommended in the past, go down and list like that. What you should do is number one, see if you see any of the icons on your kid's phone. That's number one. But number two, take the name of the app and then put it into your favorite search engine with you know, uh, let's say WhatsApp T or WhatsApp privacy and start to familiarize yourself in some of the issues that arise. Um, I I really need to give a shout out to Google News, uh, news.google.com, terrific resource. Um, yeah, this, it, it's relatively easy to at least um, get a, a ballpark sense of what kinds of issues are out there you should do or-
0: hmm yeah, and I think that's a really good starting point. Also, just um, when when your child wants a an app on their phone to do a simple Google search like that and figure out what the what's going on out there about that, and you can you can find you know that very quickly whether or not this is a a safe thing for you for your child to be doing or not, and It's pretty easy to see what's on there. And if it involves any kind of messaging, then you have to know that you have to be talking with your kid about that. (laughs) Um, Sure.
1: Well, the only other thing I'd add to the Jethro, which I think is really solid is that depending on the age of the child, that's a terrific activity to do with the kid, Uh, to sit down and say, Hey, let's, let's Google this or, or let's go on to Bing and take a look. And, and see what we can learn about this app together before we make a decision about whether or not it's mm-hmm. something you should be using. And, and so much of, of what you and I have talked about in terms of raising cyber optical kids or cyber trucks to the young is, is built around this idea of communication and dialogue. Because if you've got the communication going between you and your kid, they're not there. There's less time in a sense for them to be out. Trying to communicate with the rest of the planet, which is literally what we're doing these
0: days. Yes, literally. Like, that's not an exaggeration. That is truly what's happening. It's phenomenal. So, you know that I'm a fan of the little stream deck um, that I got you to buy also, which is pretty cool. I use it for a lot of cool stuff. But one of the things that I have on there is because I have these people that I'm communicating with in the Philippines and in Australia and in the United Arab Emirates... I have a little world clock time on here so that I can see what time it is there so that if I'm going to send them a message, I can know whether or not I should expect a response or it's the middle of the night for them and I I shouldn't. And that is, it just boggles my mind that I'm even able to communicate instantaneously with people around the world. And it's so amazing and awesome. And I'm so glad that my kids are growing up in a world where they can do that because the possibilities that they have are going to be endless, both in the positive and in the negative. They can go as far down either one of those paths as they choose. Yeah. And what we want to do is help our kids make the right choices and go down the good path and not get sucked into um, a darker path that's not going to serve them well, not going to help them and lead to to harm. So we talk about the negatives a lot, and I'm, I'm trying to be more positive about what it enables. and And I want to do more of that, but it's just really important to to recognize that, uh, that it's easy to find the bad stuff when we need to pay attention to what we're doing.
1: Well, I, what this encourages me to think, Jethro, is we need to edit our opening to have a long name that says, let's be clear. We love technology. <laughs> <laughs> I also yeah. think we should run a contest to give away a stream deck. that's what I think.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good
1: idea. <laughs> righty, Jethro. Well. That wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps Podcast. In the coming weeks, we'll continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to a growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. If you know anyone you think should be interviewed by Jethro and myself, Please let us know and we will be doing a good fall lineup to plenty.
0: Yes, you can find the Cybertraps podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you will share the show with your friends and colleagues and certainly the parents who are who have kids who are at device age. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have loved this episode. If that's the case, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And we appreciate having you listen to us. And we look forward to seeing you again uh, on Thursday for a regular scheduled interview show. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually.